4: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed.
5: From the center
4: of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. We are here for a main show, a deep dive from the bridge of a derelict Star Destroyer that can maybe be repaired. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw.
5: And I'm Ken Napsok. We are going to be diving into Star Wars, colon, shadow, colon, oh, there's no colon, colon, (laughs) there's there's just uh, Star Wars, Shadowfall, an Alphabet Squadron novel by Alexander Freed, a New York Times bestselling author, indeed, author of the Rogue One novelization, the Battlefront. Uh, novel twilight company and of course the first alphabet squadron book and joseph you know we got a little special deal for everyone today's podcast was brought to you by audible and you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center over one hundred eighty thousand titles to choose from for your iphone android kindle or mp3 player but i'm gonna guess joseph we have a good recommendation of what they should get today
4: that's right. We are still recommending the book that we're reviewing right now. It's Alphabet Squadron, colon, shadow, no colon, fall <laughs> by mm-hmm. Alexander Freed. Uh, if you haven't listened to it yet and you just started to download, this is going to be a spoiler-filled discussion of the book. So if you haven't had a chance to read it or listen to it, maybe hit pause go ahead and listen and then come back for a big spoiler discussion to download your free audiobook today go to audibletrial.com/forcenter again that's audibletrial.com/forcenter for your free audio book here we go we're going to dive into this uh this collection of colons. i think i was um I think I was defeated in Battlefront by Shadow Colon at one point, <laughs> so I'm very glad that you uh, you shared that. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dive in here. Like you said, Ken, this is uh, a very interesting book, a great book, a great series of books, and kind of interesting where it falls in current Star Wars publishing. It is a trilogy that is about all brand new characters, but set in this very now getting to be familiar time period to us of immediately following the events of the original trilogy, immediately following the events of Return of the Jedi, some interesting things we'll discuss about where the third book in the series might take us in terms of uh, canonical events that we know. But this is the second book. We both really enjoyed the first book. I looked over my notes for the our review of Alphabet Squadron, and we were both really uh, engaged by that one. I think we both liked some of the deep themes about uh, war and why you choose to fight and the the kind of the richness of the characters and all that so let's dive into this middle chapter shadowfall ken what were your overall reactions
5: uh my overall reactions were i I, i'll I'll approach it from an honest uh, point of view it's like i had to kind of ramp up to get back into this book we just come off you and i just come off of reading queen's Peril one of my favorite star Wars books. And I love that. I love EK Johnston uh, writing Padme. And I just, I had to pick this up and it was, and I'm not saying it was chore, but I was like, okay, we are going to go back into a little bit of a darker star Wars. Alexander Freed's So good at getting inside the head of soldiers and pilots and the, and the troops on the ground and the aces in the sky. <laughs> and I was like, am I, am I in the mood for that? And that's both a credit to him and just like, Hey, you know, there's nothing you can do about my, Trepidation of like, do, do I really want to know the dynamics uh, and science involved in an X Wing turning right now? Um, and I got in. And so, therefore, I had to find my footing a bit. And after I found my footing and found the rhythm of this story uh, and reconnected with them, there's some very similar themes from the first book, the ones you just mentioned. I think some will come up, but the next chapter and scene where. Um, their lies have taken them or the things they tell themselves or the things they're trying to tell themselves and put it against the backdrop of, like you said, a very, very familiar territory, which by the way, it's so interesting now, you know, remember when aftermath was brand new, that seems like ancient history. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, I wonder what Nora's doing right now. while while Yurika quills, quills saying this, you know, like I'm, I'm starting to, contrast and compare in terms of just like yeah this is snaps snap Snap wexley snap wexley and and mr bones are doing this so that's interesting too that this whole this is this new modern completely modern era set in a time we grew up in so liked it a lot we're going to get in deeper of course but at the end of this book my pacing as a reader picked up which shows me that alexander freed really pulled me in with the emotions and the thoughts and the doubts of the characters, even more than in the action. And he is really good at the action.
4: Yeah. Oh, you said a a bunch of great things there. Uh, Now you're getting me excited to to imagine, is it at all possible that Mr. Bones and uh, ITO met at any point? I would love that. Love that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I think for me, the challenge of getting into this book, Queen's Peril is I really did enjoy it uh, and it is fast and it is, using and referencing characters that uh a lot of characters that we know. Uh the challenge for me is I I read obviously, we discussed obviously and I enjoyed the hell out of Alphabet Squadron. I was really surprised mm-hmm. that I enjoyed it even more than I thought. But one of the reasons that I enjoyed it is because it was dense and complex and got down to deep knowledge of characters internal lives in order to uh expose all of these overlapping and juicy themes and I don't think it's anything about the book uh, either of the books for me I think it's about the amount of content that I'm absorbing both Star Wars and in um, other uh, uh, fan uh, fan things I like other pop culture other genre things the amount going on in the world that I was like all right alphabet Squadron's is coming back what are the names of the main characters and like I remembered some of the big themes I remembered how much I loved the sort of a religious cult worship of the Emperor Sentinel. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I had to like, I had to go read the Wikipedia page. And even in the first parts of the book, I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And none of that is a criticism of the content of the book. It's just the situation in which I was reading it, needing to refresh myself on the rich world that Alexander Freed has created with these characters in this time.
5: The, what so. what's Yeah, sorry, sorry to jump in there Uh, because now we got High Republic coming out and this is going to create this whole new world. And this is that big question of taking Star Wars into new era, eras and areas with with newer characters and not having those classic ones to to jump onto. Alexander Free does have the use of, in fact, some of my favorite moments are talking about, it. It was, wasn't was there that guy named Darth Vader running around? What happened to that guy? <laughs> that, that kind of stuff. But yeah, it is an interesting challenge. Aftermath had that too. We talked about that back in the day of it wasn't the story of Luke, Han, and Leia. And so I felt what you felt, too, of like, wait a minute, that, okay, that battle, Pandemani, that's the, oh, that's the end of the last book. That's right, that's right, that's right. Again, so that's not a criticism. That's just the amount of Star Wars content. And when you don't have those pillars to attach, Han, Leia, Chewie, 3PO, all those things you grew up with, it's sometimes you have to make sure you're tuned in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that I'm glad you brought up High Republic because I think
4: I'm going to need to come up with some sort of uh, strategy of note taking. In fact, it was funny to me. I was trying to remember uh, some of the specific character details. And then in order to put together the notes for reviewing the second book, I looked at our notes uh, for the first book and I was like, I should have reread my own damn notes <laughs> <laughs> about who the characters are. And I would have uh, been entirely refreshed. Um yeah, so th- that, that was how I went into it, and I agree with you. It, it, because of that, the uh, first half was slower for me to get back into it, uh, and then by the, especially the last hundred pages, I was all in and, and enjoying it a, a ton. Uh, I think a big picture thing that I love, I always love Alexander Freed's uh, writing of action. I love that he makes it personal. I love that he finds different but believable details to make you feel what the people in the action feel about the straps biting into your shoulders or the you know the exact angle of descent where what part of the character's head they're hitting on the cockpit window and like it, it's it's really really great so i always love reading the action uh um, yeah. i also just really like and i think the thing that did surprise me about the whole series in this chapter goes even deeper on this i love that it is absolutely a gritty story about uh, ships, starfighters. It's about war. It's about tactics. It's about every soldier is a sentient being with their own perspective and baggage. But within all of that gritty side of Star Wars, it never lets you forget the uh, the wonder and the spiritual and the cosmic and the weird side of Star Wars. Even mm-hmm. these characters who are like, "Here's my gritty life. Uh, I just you know grew up with this." gritty life and then I'm stuck in war and then I'm flipping this specific switch and I'm managing this shield percentage. It never there's they live in a galaxy where the force and different opinions and perspectives on the force and the impacts of the Jedi and the Sith and even a slightly more spiritual cultural growing up like while Lark had on his planet that all of that side of Star Wars is
5: still present. I just love that. So, yeah, I'll get a build off that because I think I was on one of my Twitch streams being killed by 14-year-olds on Battlefront Uh, 2. Shadow colon. (laughs) Um, And someone was asking about the book in the chat, and I just said, you know, I really like it. Uh, It it reminds me, though, when Star Wars stays dark, like it gets in that dark, uh, like it's a Nolan Star Wars, right? And and that's (laughs) not necessarily the Star Wars I gravitate to. And and I had a good exchange with the the, the people in the comments. Some of them were like, oh, gosh, I love that kind of stuff and everything. But hearing you um, describe kind of the wonder and spiritual side of it, that is so prevalent, especially in the last part of the book. I wouldn't want myself to paint this book or Alexander Freed a Star Wars author into the Uh, into the, into that one bucket of, of just dark moody star Wars. It's got a lot of that perhaps more than most of the recent star Wars stuff I'm talking last five years, but it does allow itself to go into some, wow, what just happened? And the spiritual sci-fi mix is, 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 is real strong. And I enjoyed that. And as, uh, as you're talking, I'm reminding myself, yeah, no, it was there more than I thought in the initial part of it. Because I love, love. you know, you talk about, I, there's one exchange. I think it's Chasnachatic is flying and it talks about how the cockpit is, like, it basically has an air conditioning unit. <laughs> <It's kidding. laughs> it was like some little sentence and I was like, wow, I've never, I never would have thought about that. That the X-Wing might have, a, you know, a heater <laughs> or an AC. Yeah. So yeah. I love those details, but it, I, 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 it, it doesn't, the book doesn't get lost in those. Yeah. I mean, you you
4: sometimes frame this particular dichotomy in Star Wars. There's a ton as the um, war versus lore. And I think sometimes when a a author or creator, even a fan loves the war side of it, you know, these books could just be adjusting the, uh, you know, the details of adjusting the the air conditioning or, you know, are they more sweaty because their flight suit is larger than the one that they normally wear? And like, it's got all those like, minuscule details that put you on the war side of things but yeah. it doesn't ignore the lore and that's it feels yeah. it, it, I, since i gravitate towards the lore as well i really like that being included and it makes it feel like star wars is a cohesive galaxy like you can't even han solo is like hey i'm trying to fly around the galaxy ignoring this in a new hope but i've heard of jedi and i have opinions about it right you know and and i like that yep. a lot mm, um yeah. Other big overall reaction is I I enjoyed looking at it as the middle chapter of a trilogy. Um, And uh, we talked a lot in our first interview about the sort of symbolism of the Alphabet Squadron being about diversity, literally the ships and the characters Mm -hmm. and how that opposed the, uh, you know, enforced unity uh, and similarity of the Empire. And that first book really felt like this challenge of can they, Can these diverse people come together to form the squadron? And they kind of had at the end of the first book. And then this really felt like the middle chapter of they uh, they stopped communicating with one another and they got hung up in their own baggage. They got hung up Mm -hmm. in the sort of the the negative side of their differences and they fell apart. And uh, it was a total disaster, which it usually is in the second chapter of a trilogy.
5: Yeah, the, uh, great point. That it definitely felt like that. the The, the team was scattered. You know, I, for the, of all the middle chapters, I went to two towers in Jackson's Lord of the Rings. Like it's, it's the fellowship is shattered. We're all over. We got to find a way to get back together. Yeah, I like that.
4: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so let, let's go into the characters. Um, do you do you mind if I do a, a review? <laughs> <laughs> Sir, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need you. To- <laughs> okay. Uh, so I combined my notes from our first uh review. So we've got all sorts of details here. So this is what was Alphabet Squadron, maybe what will be again. Erica Quell. Uh, she is formerly of Shadowing, the elite uh, Tie fighter unit. Uh, she is when we first meet her in the original book. She is. Uh, reliving her trauma in the uh, Camp Traitor's Remorse, uh, where different Imperials are being dealt with by the New Republic. She grew up on Gavana Orbital Station around many species. Uh, she always meant to defect to the Rebellion, but caught, caught up in the Empire and having sort of uh, trust and faith in wanting to protect the people around her. Uh, she is a bi or pansexual. Uh, she sort of got to a point of pitying the Rebellion, but ultimately, at the end, she came became comfortable being a soldier and waiting for orders and being relieved of the responsibility of making decisions. Uh, as we meet her in this book, she is working through trauma after having remembered that she chose to obey Operation Cinder orders and participated in the annihilation of the planet uh, Necronis and only walked away because she was ordered to by her commander, Soren Keys. This book, her That Secret is Revealed. Uh, and that ends up dividing her from her squadron. She goes through an ordeal towards the end of a book of unlocking a Sith temple and ultimately burns off her Alphabet Squadron tattoo and defects back to the Shadow Wing. Also, mm-hmm. she flies an X-Wing. <laughs> <laughs> In the squadron. Uh, and we we will uh, talk through all those details, but uh, mm-hmm. what's your reaction right now to
5: Erica Quill? She continues to be to me, the most interesting character in the story. Um, even, and, and I love I that I love that about her because I think I probably naturally would look at like Nath, uh, the old crusty Y-wing guy and be like, oh, that's me. And, and that is me in a lot of ways. But I just am so pulled in by her story. Uh, the time, we'll talk about plot de- details, but the time stuck on that planetoid was, uh, I don't know, kind of reminded me of the movie Enemy Mine from the 80s. Just some stuff going on. She wasn't necessarily with her direct enemy, but with a rival, with someone who had, had burned her and everything. Um, and I just liked, I liked her journey. And I liked, and I was surprised uh, that she went back, you know, whether that sticks and all those kind of things. And some, and loved the reveal that, yeah, i uh, I didn't actually defect. I wanted to. What I didn't. And that doesn't count. What counts is I was ordered to. So therefore, it doesn't come off as genuine to those around me, even though I'm dealing with some stuff on the inside. So that was that was some deep, heavy stuff. And, and she continues to be uh, a really, I don't know, just a really, really compelling character for me.
4: Yeah, she is super compelling to me. Um, I think I was truly surprised surprised when she returned to shadowing in that great way of a surprise that you could absolutely see coming it was one of those things like emotionally you're uh, connected to her she's the kind of main protagonist you feel like she's going to pull it out and make the right choice but of course everything in the book was leading to her not making the right choice And I I thought that was really expertly done I also just like that her story is really really getting into the torment of somebody who has made bad decisions, and can you ever make it right? Needing to understand for herself why she made the bad decisions, and then that question of can you make it right? And, you know, she's not a big tortured dark side force user, but in some ways, this is the kind of questions that I think sometimes people are want to eventually see that story with a Vader or with a Kylo Ren of right. really getting into. Well, what happens when you can't just do, you know, a great sacrifice and then disappear uh right she's the character who's made horrific you know dark side decisions and has to somehow continue
5: yeah yeah that's right yeah the vader the re- it's it's a deeper de- redemption story not deeper in terms of impact but just you get to spend more time with it inside her head yeah exactly exactly uh so we'll move on to
4: while lark uh he was a rebel pilot with a uh, riot squadron from a planet uh, that he just called home, which I loved, uh, but the rest of the galaxy calls uh, Polynes, uh, In a person from each community was sent to fight the Empire. They're called the 120. They have an organic relationship uh, with droids and ships because of the culture where they come from. They have, uh, you know, beasts that they fly, so they're all pretty natural pilots. Uh, while is kind of young and kind. He values connections. He really, really... Wants to go home, but he keeps feeling compelled to stay. He thought he'd be done after Endor, but nope, nope. Uh, He develops a strong connection with Nath uh, Tencent. Uh, He has a tentative uh, connection with Chas in in the first book, where he wants to try to save her, and she gets him to understand that that is taking away her agency. Uh, Then he has also this interesting tentative connection with the shadowing pilot that we learn is uh, Lieutenant uh, Palala Cedia, uh, that he knows is Blink, who he has communicated with, and in the toward the end of this second book, he is forced to take on a leadership role while stranded on the planet Troyth. He flies an A-wing, and he actually flies it a lot in this book.
3: <laughs> it flies it a lot.
4: Uh, you know, I'll I'll just throw it out there. I think while is really one of my favorites. I tend to gravitate toward the straight shooters. Absolutely, no pun intended. Like uh, the, the emotional, like kind people who want to see the best in everyone because sometimes those are the characters who can be difficult to write with complexity without just looking down on them as always right and or always wrong because they're so naive they are the you know the captain america characters the superman i think kind of luke in the original trilogy up to a point the the characters who you feel like in their heart of hearts they are good people and i really like that that's wiles story And while is having to live through absolute horror and lots of moral ambiguity and still cling to that kind of heart of hearts that he has, what are your feelings on while in in this book or in general?
5: Uh, I was just scanning some Wikipedia stuff. Lark was uh, known for his kindness and empathy. I'm all for that. He also talked to a starfighter. You know what? I talked to my dogs and my car a lot. So (laughs) Um, no, I, I love what you just said. Um, it is uh, once again Ken brings in pro wrestling into Star Wars. Uh, when you when you're setting out on a, on a pro wrestling career, it's so much more fun to play the bad guy, right? And everyone's like, oh, I got to be the babyface, the good guy. There's, it's so one dimensional, right? That's just our perception of these characters sometimes. And for what you're you're saying to take a Superman and Captain America, Luke Skywalker, because um, that that was one of the reasons why Luke wasn't my favorite. I like Han. Han. Han, Han's gruff and he's a scoundrel. Luke's a goody two shoes. Like that's kind of unfortunately how we look at some of these characters. So to take it and to really get inside the head and find out what that means, find out how that can lead to problems with other people. But maybe his intention is good. All all stuff with with uh, uh, Blink is really I really love that stuff and, and him trying to communicate. So I, I love what you're saying. I, I love it. Um, it's it's um it's a new look at 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 that at that good person who's just trying to always lean towards that side
4: yeah yeah and i think it for me he's one of the most uh, i'm interested in him because alexander free did just such an amazing job of world building it's the kind of thing that lucas always talks about of like being interested in anthropology and like you know he doesn't have a ton of time to go into it but well for the people on udapau who live in sinkholes why and how does that shape your culture so there's so much about everything that he does comes from where he comes from and the culture he was raised in just makes him really rich and alive for me even you know when he is you know in his a-wing you you know that all of that uh information and all that world building is with him every second for me so i, I really enjoy that uh moving on to nath tencent the one who should be our favorite <laughs> 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 he is a corrupt imperial uh he defected to the rebellion uh and then in that defection his squadron was killed by shadowing he really has a sort of morality of being in things for himself for money or vengeance but also ends up sort of wanting to bond with the people that he is uh, immediately around and has a sense of honor i think about defending the people next to ten- next to him uh he described him as a charlatan with a heart of not gold but maybe pyrite we'll see uh at the end of the first book he deceives the squadron to get dirt on quell and to kill grandmother the former leader shadowing in revenge uh, he ends up really bonding with Wild Lark and sort of taking him under his corrupt wing. <laughs> yeah. Very loyal to his wingmates throughout this book. Uh, and then I think the real new development for him in this book is he he gets some amount of delight. And I think it's purposefully ambiguous of whether it's ironic or sincere delight out of being cheered uh, by people, by uh, citizens they're saving and venerated and even winning a medal at the end. And he flies a trusty, broken down, slow old Y-wing.
5: Ah, uh, there you go. That's that's the that's the main event for me right there.
4: The Y-wing, yeah. So, what are your Nath thoughts? Do you gravitate to this character? Because, like you're saying, on the surface, he is he's the grizzled, complex weirdo that both you and I would normally go like he's the one.
5: Yeah, um, yeah, but it's 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 a credit to F- uh, Freed, I think. Um, I. I'm more interested in, in, uh, here in the, the wild Lark and, and your quell stuff than I am Nath. It's, it's like, cool. Got it. And I think it's gone to good, good, interesting places. I love, I love the relationship between him and Lark because it's like, you got one going like, hi, I talk to spaceships and I think I can help and the other one going that don't work here. Here's what works. And so I love those conversations. I love some of their scenes, but I think for, for me, and a, and a wonderful surprise in this story, I like I I like him. I put him on a shelf because I'm like club team Y wing. Got it. Like this guy, but I'm I'm curious to dive into more into this stuff. And and, and so it's, it's it's surprising for me.
4: Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I think he's a really great, and I think he really sings for me in his relationship with While, where he has he has chosen to take this person kind of under his wing, and I think in some ways he's almost like wrestling with the kind of things we're talking about of like this kid's naive and hopeful and trying to send out messages, asking people to stand down. What an idiot. But also I kind of want to protect him. And can I protect yeah. him without just totally telling him the entire galaxy is, you know, a, a mess and you should <laughs> shove all of your optimism, yeah. you know, and he, he becomes really yeah. interesting there. He, uh, he uh, yeah.
5: sorry. sorry, Yeah. No, uh, he connects with me a lot in ways. The reason I love Sandor Gain the Hound in Game of Thrones where a uh, lot of things going on done some bad things kind of maybe buried some goodness deep inside but has that kind of like let me tell you what the world is and is not wrong but at the end of the day with like say Arya is going to make sure I'm going to save you cuz you're better than me you know, like you you your path is better and i think that relationship between him and, and Wallark is is similar to me very you know in general terms i like that That is a great connection. Not surprising
4: that you'd make a great uh, Game of Thrones and Star Wars connection. But yeah, I really love that's a great encapsulation of his character. And I love, like many people, the hound scene where he uh, takes all the chicken. So I need a nath scene where he takes all the Ronto wraps. (laughs) Uh, moving on to another great character, Uh She was with Hound Squadron when we met her. Uh, she is a Thelin, uh, the same species as Rysdal Sand. Uh, she has a sort of ambiguous, ambiguous lineage, but I think we learned a little bit more about that. Uh, she has music chips on that she listens to while flying that she uh, has collected from lots of different places, possibly uh, preserving them from destruction uh by the empire and by time she had a rough life we learned in this book that she grew up in a force in a possibly fake force kyber crystal cult uh she met jen urso at one point and became inspired to fight and she really longs in some ways for that big purposeful death like Jin had on scarif uh mm-hmm. in this book she is really gambling and drinking a lot to cope and she ends up entangled with the cult of the children of the empty sun and is possibly moved by their message of unity and compassion or possibly manipulated by the easy answers they are offering nice ambiguity there she flies a b-wing yeah
5: what are your chat thoughts in an 80s detention movie she's the uh <laughs> goth girl in the corner right and then you start writing her off you start going oh come on get over it listen to your music come on whatever and then you find the real stuff buried beneath and she becomes a a, a, a person that you want to get to know and then you changes your opinion i think that's you know breakfast club jokes aside i think that's what we got going on here and i really um i the the cult stuff i didn't know where it was going and 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 I still, I gotta be honest with you. Still don't know what quite where it's going. You, you described it quite well there, um, and I just, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm liking this character more and more because I think by design, yes, on the surface, cool uh, standalone goth chick doesn't want to be bothered, uh, and you start learning more and more. It's, it's, it's as if I'm getting to know this person while in detention, uh, and so uh, I really like the stuff in this in this book, and you know, a B wing's an underrated ship.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. We get to spend some quality time with all of its uh, weird maneuvers and possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love chess. I think, again, just kind of great character building. Uh, the music thing and the specificity of that is so great. And you can really see that of somebody like, yep, I can fly and I can shoot and I can survive if I can get into this kind of this rhythm that makes sense to me. Uh, and it's the, a little bit more organic and flowing than the sort of technical side of things. And your detention thing is spot on. I legitimately have known many people like Chas, where they are you. You gravitate towards them because they are loud and funny and full of life. And it's uh, a part of that is them, and a part of that is coping with they've been through absolute trauma where they have lost a ton of people. And so because they are just kind of this glowing full of life energetic people they they attract people to them who want to spend time with them but then because of their trauma they actually don't want people around them and it creates this very interesting push pull and i think through that uh, just a ton of you know very great and very true things being wrestled with of the the cost of of war uh Mm. for her of longing for that like uh, what is what's the point of me after a war uh, you know, and the odds are high I'm going to die. So I might as well die in a way that is, you know, a big fireworks display that is that reflects who I am and has meaning. And I really love all that about Chas, And then the new stuff about the cult, we, we will discuss the cult stuff because that was great. One of my favorite parts of the book. Mm hmm. Uh, any other, Chaz, thoughts before we move on to our final mem- member of Alphabet Squadron?
5: No, I just want to start singing, don't you forget <laughs> about me.
4: Yes, I want to hear the uh, the Aqualish language version of that.
5: <laughs> Simple minds.
4: <laughs> oh, that's good. Simple Pondababa minds. Uh, our final member is Kairos, uh, the mystery woman. She is bandaged and masked. Uh, we learn that she survived a prisoner camp with Karen Ivan. In ITO, uh, the torture droid, turned into a therapist. She's got a bowcaster. She is deadly and mostly silent. In the first book, she tells her story with pictures drawn in the dirt. Uh, at one point, she says to Wilde that the Emperor's shadow is long, Uh, By the end of the first book, she is willing to drink and dance with her squadron, one of those great symbols of them kind of coming together. Uh, In general, she speaks only when very important, speaks a couple times in this second book. Uh, We also learn that she has a mysterious collection of Imperial and Rebel New Republic insignia that seem to have some significance, but we don't know what. In this book, she is injured early on in a daring attempt to save infantry. It feels like she is not willing to let people die. Uh, New Republic soldiers die and really take some huge risks and gets grievously injured for it. She loses her sacred robes. We learn that she feels her honor is torn. And at the end, we have no idea what's happened to her. But she reveals having lost most of her robes, having some new ones, and showing her chitinous face. (laughs) She flew an Ewing before it got utterly destroyed.
5: Yeah. Yeah. What are your
4: takes? Uh, I think we both really like this character, liked the sense of, again, the the weird and the wonderful and the mysterious. And, hey, this is what's going to happen when you're in a galaxy full of species that sometimes you don't know much about and you don't know what who this who or what this person really is. But she uh, she really is only in this book a little bit. Uh, how are you feeling about her uh, after not getting to spend much time with her in this book?
5: Uh, here's I I like this character. You know, I love the U-wing too, If uh, we're talking about ships what a challenge. And I think Freed is, keeps pulling it off of going, all right, one of my characters in a novel is not only not going to say a lot, but I'm not going to really get in her head. <laughs> like, yeah. There's like one chapter, one
4: subsection of a chapter that kind of gets in her yeah. head in this book.
5: Right. So I think he's doing a great job and I, I do like this character and I'm waiting every, every and here's the thing. He's done such a good job with, with kind of the, uh, her, her, the, the, the murky details of the past and her not really explaining it or being able to explain it. Uh, that I am waiting, in, and and maybe in the third book, this is an odd expectation that we're going to learn something so, I don't know, canon heavy kind of weirdness that I'm gonna. It's gonna be some big cool revelation. Does that make sense? You know, I'm just gonna be like, oh my god, the entire <laughs> and um, I I don't know, and that could not even happen. But I I just like it because like when it's revealed, uh, you know how she uh connected here with with Adon. Uh, and, and ITO, um, I was excited. I was like, "Oh my god, that may- Oh god, that's touching!" <laughs> like, um, I, I, so I love that reveal. So that that's what I'm looking forward to with this character. And I think they uh, he's done a great job with a with a silent character and a and a book full of many words.
4: Yeah, yeah, and I like particularly in the f- first book that Hera is so clear with uh, with Quell, like you need to bond. Go bond with the woman who doesn't speak. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, it's really great stuff. Uh, So those are the main characters uh, of the actual Alphabet Squadron. Uh, Because Alphabet Squadron was shattered and one of the members uh, disappeared for, I would say, you know, the the plurality uh, of the book. Uh, Then there were other characters that that we did spend more time with. Uh, Soren Keys, uh, we were introduced to him in the first book, is Devin, and then had his identity revealed towards the end. But this one, we were clear on who he was the entire time. He's a was the leader of shadowing now he's the newly returned leader of shadowing kind of believes the empire is dead but similarly to some of our characters in alphabet squadron has a loyalty to his specific unit to the people in his unit more than the mission of the empire uh karen aden uh is the leader who the balasaur uh, same species is elon sleaze who uh, put together alphabet squadron ITO, the uh, reformed torture droid. Hera, of course. Uh, Syndulla it features a decent amount. And we get to know a little bit more Lieutenant Cedia from Shadowing, who is Blink that while is communicating with. So out of all those characters, w- was there any that you really connected with or wanted to spend more time with or were happy that we spent that much time with?
5: Um, I, I actually really love ITO as a, as a droid and a character. Um, uh, Karen Addon um, is... Uh, to take Elon Sleeve's Bagano's people and turn it into an t- entirely different character and not a punchline is something I still just enjoy every time because uh, you forget it. And then and there was one little mention of uh, uh, an injured, one of his little delay doppers was injured. <laughs> That's <laughs> That's right. oh, God, I loved it. Um, and I love the stuff with Hib and Quell. That's the stuff that was really this enemy mind type of we're lost and need each other to survive but we've got problems that of uh, you know trope and it was really good. Um the hair stuff says fun and you know this is so, the Vanguard Squadron and the upcoming Star Wars Squadrons video game. It was hard not to love but also be like up oh, she's uh she's off on uh um, level 2 of the video game I'll probably be uh, failing at being good at. Um, yeah, we'll we'll definitely dive yeah. into that cuz I wanted
4: yeah. to get your feelings on that uh strange yeah. occurrence.
5: Yeah, so there's that. So yeah, uh and then uh, so, so Soren Kai's um Love the way you you describe him. This is it's interesting. There's some some of the stuff in that description just reminds me of a little bit of Ray Sloane, of this good villain. You know, like what do you you and how and why you stay involved with this organization even after some of the truths you know what do you feel and how how can you how, how can you weigh weigh the options and stick with what? Yeah, it it just some good questions. He's a, he's an interesting character that I actually want more of. I'd love him to. Love to not just see his development and and obviously his being a mentor to, to your Quell is, is interesting too. But um, yeah, as in this time period, post the fall, because this, you can't even, you know, this isn't like the empire's running full speed. You know what's happening. You have seen the fall. You've now you're in and you're sticking around for some personal reasons. And I think it plays really well.
4: Yeah, yeah, and is leading to him towards some interesting stuff in uh, in the next book. Uh, all right, let's dive into some of the themes. Uh, there, were, there are three that really jumped out to me, and some of them I think do have. Um, are continuing themes from the first book, but are maybe focused on in slightly different ways. So the first one that I wanted to talk through is this idea of secrets and knowledge. I think it was definitely there in the first book, but I felt like it was even more pulled out in this one, because especially like the first half of the book, a ton of everything just turned on who knew what or who was hiding what from others or even from themselves. And uh, I think especially when it was first announced, it was like, it's Alphabet Squadron, they're all going to fly these cool ships. This is going to be all about uh, space Battles, But these are intelligence officers. They're part of the intelligence unit. So they're kind of spies in ships a lot of the time and sometimes not even in ships. Um, But some of the examples of this uh, theme of secrets and knowledge, of course, we've got Quell dealing with all of her imperial memories returning that she had uh, sort of uh, uh, pushed away the truth of what she did on Necronus, And now that she had opened up to that, she was remembering lots of different things. The first half of the book really turns on the threat of uh, Quell's secret, Necronus secret, being exposed. Uh, just the fact that Karos herself is kind of a mystery to everyone. Uh, Soren is going through the first half of the book trying to move back up in the ranks of the Empire by hiding all of his motivations. Uh, there's a ton of scenes where both sides are just guessing on the tactics of the other side. And that's all about the secrets and knowledge. Uh, Wild's connection to blink, I think is also about like, w- you know, how much do they actually truly know one another? Then you get into all this stuff with the cults about what their true motivations yeah. are. And then you get into the Sentinel of, does the Sentinel have any more <laughs> information from the emperor or is he just going to s- secrets from the emperor? Is he just going to sit around <laughs> creeping everybody out for the rest of the time? Uh, yeah. So it kind of goes on and on of the all of the tension of these characters a lot of these characters know what they want but they do not have the information to follow through um what are your general thoughts on that theme
5: for me this 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 particular section this particular uh theme uh, makes this book a relationship book <laughs> you know not not just romance obviously but uh there's some little things going on here and there, but like, like what happens after cool, you're all uh, on a team, you all work in an office and you all had a weekend at an office picnic and you did some trust falls. Great. But here's what happens when you start, you start having to put it into actual effect and there's still secrets and then there's still problems or problems spring up and information changes. Uh, So there's a lot of great stuff with um, dealing with traumas and, and, and how do you, you know, overcome stuff or adapt and learn and grow from things. But just overall, just what we're talking about, these these secrets to me just breaks down to this, just relationships. Two years in, you learn something new about your best friend or something changes or you're fighting. And I, I don't know. I just, every time this was going on and the team, the team is broken up. The band is no longer together. Uh, Can Fleetwood Mac get back together at the end of (laughs) Shadow Call? I was really drawn in by that kind of stuff. That was some of the more interesting scenes. Again, going like the the Wild Lark and and Nath Tenson scene of just like, you know, that's not how it works. But I respect that you think that way. Let me try to like, I loved that. And it just took what you described as this is going to be pilots being aces. Well, great. Yeah. I don't want it. I don't want just that. I want to I want to really have some life lessons here in this. And, and I've got it. I've got it again. It's a, it's a, a handbook on personal relationships.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I like that that Nath example uh, when he followed while he followed while because he was worried about him and then realized, oh, while you snuck off and you lied to me but you did it to try to openly communicate with someone. So like, is that a shutdown of communication or an opening up of communication? Did you feel like the, like alphabet squadron could have stayed together and avoided a lot of the, the tragedy if they'd been able to get past some of their own uh, traumas and fears and, and communicate a little bit better. Do you feel like that is like the tragedy of the book?
5: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 particularly I don't know kind of particularly interesting with not not specific things going on in the world right now but just the general state of humanity where often I just I I personally feel just like you know being able the ability to to listen and truly listen without uh agenda meaning I'm I'm not just like it's not just I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm understanding where you're coming from but no knowing that I don't fully need to understand your journey. I just have to support your journey. And that leads to maybe some better communication and healing and maybe um, a better connection, stronger connection after. So there's a lot of just those big themes. In Star Wars terms, you know, Luke going into the cave and what's in there, only what you take with you. A lot of that time pops up here where every character has, you've described it so well, Joseph, in in describing the characters. Every character has something, uh, has something going on I uh, think of Ch- Chas, uh, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of good reason to know that pff, I'm I'm probably out of here. So I might as well go the best way. And I've connected to this character, Jen Erso. And so she brings that into every relationship. Quill learns. She, it's, it's not that Quill's, uh, Erica Quill's hiding. She's not hiding this information. It was buried. It was trauma. And then now she has to deal with it. And then how that could be the obstacle to better communication. If you all just sat around the campfire. But that's not easy. It's not easy. It's just not the way of it. Yeah, I think that's the
4: thing is it's just so human. You read the book and uh, you know that even though uh, everyone is going to be extremely upset, you kind of know that if Quell came to them with this information and said, I'm giving you this information. I understand if you want to walk away. I understand if you want to react however you need to react. And I'm giving you this information that I did this horrible thing. We know that's going to work out better than them finding out. In, in and yeah. feeling like she was hiding it. Right. But we also if you put ourselves in her shoes like this book does, you can also feel like that would be extremely hard to do. It's one of those human things yeah. of like, oh, yeah, if somebody else uh, asked for my advice, I could absolutely tell them the correct thing to do. Oh, could I do that thing? Oh, no, never. No,
5: <laughs> not at all. <laughs> yeah. And there's a little bit of, you know, my, my old job when I, you know, I'd have an employee come in and there'd be some drama going on between employees or shift supervisors and i'd always hear this this is just so high school why is it and i always would tell tell them no high school's just life how this never changes (laughs) drama gossip handling things wrong that could be handled better this never goes away high school is just life and this story i make i make the uh you know breakfast club reference but this is this is, uh, this is a bunch of friends in high school <laughs> to no, me. No,
4: you're right. I'm going to start thinking of this as Alphabet Club. Like, yeah, yeah. can they communicate enough about their differences yeah. to come together?
5: And that's a universal theme just wrapped up in some cool cockpits here.
4: Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I feel like uh, a, a lot of the book, they're, they're going through events, kind of tragic events, because they're, they're wrestling with these things. They're not communicating uh, super well uh, with one another about them. But by the end of the book, they've all kind of had this either change in identity or addition to identity that mm-hmm. I think they might uh, carry forward. And I, I wanted to ask which ones were mm-hmm. affecting to you in and uh, which ones you're hopeful for in the future. While is forced to become a leader, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Because he's he's kind of the the only option uh, in a lot of ways. So he really takes on this leadership role, which is never a way that he saw himself. And Nath kind of falls into being a hero at first, just kind of, playing it up for a laugh. But then by the end, it seems like he he actually does something heroic. He almost loses his life mm-hmm. to save people and ends up getting a medal. So he's kind of dancing around being a hero. Uh, Chass absolutely rejects the idea of cults having a bad experience as a kid. Uh, but then some of the, as the cult leader says that the, the cult planted a seed and maybe it's growing. So Chas is maybe, gonna become a cult convert uh Mm -hmm. quell is uh, a traitor again depending on your point of view (laughs) that gone back to shadowing um so how do you feel about those changes
5: in identity did any of them speak to you more than the others i i gotta tell you when you when you put it down in this great kind of like salad bar of themes to grab grab onto it it makes me kind of think of my experience reading this i really am interested in the growth and maturation and like you said addition and the, the build-ons the house add-ons uh <laughs> to wild lark um because he could be again i gotta i gotta say this carefully here uh he has a great pure truthful like it, it could be a real the right way to look at the world right but then it's not always going to be and and, and uh, you got to kind of not play the game but I think a lot of things change when now you have the responsibility of actually being in charge or the responsibility of protecting those around you. Like, what do you do with that and how do you add that? Not change. How do you add that to what you believe and maintain kindness and empathy, but also know that at some point you might have to make a bad decision or a tough decision. um, uh, Right. Or
4: if he's wrong about his empathy, somebody else could die instead of him.
5: Right. There you go. Yes. And that is just really interesting because he's he's one of the younger characters in this story. Correct. You know, he's got, so it's not a, you got to grow up kid, which is probably what Nath would say, but it is kind of the, no, there's going to be some harsh realities that are going to come in and they might challenge your, your worldview. How do you dig down on those, but also still allow yourself to grow and change and, and and experience some of those stuff. That's I I really, it's not, it's not a place necessarily I'm in in my life, though I always feel we got to grow and change and adapt, but like, I've been in that spot, you know, and it's so to break it in a real world, like I'm complaining, my supervisor's doing this. And then you become a supervisor and you're like, Oh, I see why he did that. <laughs> like, and it's a little, um, that's a real micro level look at it. Um, but I, I'm really interested. The more I think about it and hear you describe stuff, Joseph, I'm really interested in his growth uh, going forward and where he fits into the Star Wars story.
4: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I like that uh, toward the end, Hera just assumes like, well, since you've started on the leadership path, of course, you're going to continue on it. <laughs> I was like, Hera, ask him, ask him. <laughs> um Yeah, I meant to include in this list, too, that even though we don't get to spend a lot of time with her, Keros has changed by the end. She has to come back revealing more of herself right. uh than, you know, maybe she wanted to, or maybe that's a choice. Maybe we'll learn more about what happened to her. I, I took it these... Changes at the end is some of them seemed like, oh, no, Quell's taking a step backwards, maybe. Or yeah. is Chast in danger of falling, you know, victim to something with the cult? And there's definitely those tensions. But all of them felt like maybe this is, uh, they need to add this, these new experiences and these new perspectives to know themselves better. And yeah. that's what the, the arc of this book is about of kind of came together in the first book. Uh, they fell victim to their lack of communication their doubts of fears in the in the second and by going through changes and learning to know themselves more they'll be able to come back together in the third Mm. yeah i hope yeah we'll see yeah or maybe they'll just die at the battle of we'll talk about that (laughs) (laughs) uh the next theme is i think really present in the first book as well as well so uh we'll move through it um these uh, it's just basically the ravages of war, right I mean, I think that's kind of what these books are about in, in the real big picture way. These constant questions of are these characters fighting for any ideology at this point, or is it all just personal reasons? is it revenge? is it redemption? Is it loyalty to fellow soldiers and wingmates? do they feel trapped in just where they are and all they want to do is just survive right now uh the mm-hmm. the who what where game really reminds you of the mentality of ravages of war um And I feel like this book in particular really had this great kind of question about war of how micro can you get on a battle before you start to lose the macro of like, you know, we're going through this thing of like, they're not exactly sure why they're taking Troyth And there's the rumor that it's maybe just a test run for Coruscant. And now they're getting down to like, well, we're just trying, I think we're trying to push Shadow Wing out of this planet. Is that what, like, it got to the point where like, what... I felt like the character's got to be thinking, what's our goal here? What are we actually doing at this point that we're risking our lives for?
5: So this is, this is why I, this, you're right, Alexander, for you were so good at writing the battles because it's not just the action, it's what's going on. I think, think we always talk about the state of the galaxy stuff and and aftermath. I, I always give it credit for taking the fall of the empire, the statues are, tap, are toppled and then what does that really mean? And I love that it wasn't as I grew up with of, uh, Ewoks celebrated fireworks. And now we are all this one new government Eh, maybe there's some squabbles, but everything's good. And, uh, some clone Jedi's coming back to clone Lou <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Now, the aftermath sets the tone of like, no, there's still some problems. There's still a battle. meet has still got to sign the concordance. There's this kind of star Wars canon things, but what really is, uh, what it tells me it ties into, and, and, and Joseph, I'm putting this down on the table like a lump of clay. Please help me form it with your <laughs> touch. I'm tying this to the end of even Rise of Skywalker. We've discussed this idea of that is this bigger victory for Leia's rebellion, right? It's no longer just a military vic- victory. That's the power of it's not a Navy, sir. It's just people. That means the galaxy as a whole. Because you go back to here, the, the Endor and all this, this is a military victory. And you still probably have people going... I don't know. Uh, w- what does this do for me? Uh, New Republic, old Republic, Empire—I don't care. And we're seeing that Mandalorian. We're seeing it tie in, and now we see here that we've got an ongoing battle. The Empire's been defeated. They're still going through stuff, but now the Rebel troops are—they're not—they're not rallying around the New Republic. They're like—they're not sure of that, and they got their own things to deal with that. But they're still like, all right, yeah, like you just say, are we practice for Coruscant. What's going on? People are still dying. The war's going on. And I don't know. It just is a more realistic, uh, multi layered state of the galaxy Star Wars conversation that still ties into the emotional themes that we even saw again in episode nine and how we get to that point. And why we need to get to that point, why the New Republic was squabbles uh, and, and and debates, because they even touched upon it, it as some Mon Mothma stuff. It like, eh, eh, wants to shut down the, the army and all those kind of things that we know is going to come. So I don't know. I was really pulled in by that stuff.
4: Yeah, I think I really appreciated like this is what is making this book different of it's really bringing us into that perspective of ground troops. The first book went out of its way by the end when uh, everybody was wrestling so many characters were wrestling with like what was the point of Operation Cinder and that Operation Cinder really finally to a bunch of Imperials revealed that oh the Empire is truly objectively awful and there's even that kind of conversation towards the ends where Quell is asking is trying to work through it with ITO and ITO is basically just Palpatine might have did it just because he's awful and full of hate and if he can't have it then let it burn and maybe it's not more complicated than that so the first book went out of its way to remind you the ideologies do matter they are different and then this book took you through these poor New Republic uh, you know, infantry and our fighter characters who are like even though they a ton of them probably know the true ideology how easy it is to get lost by the time you're like okay we're taking this one planet because uh, we, we need to strategically yeah. maybe as a test run okay now it all fell apart and now we're just one in this one quadrant Okay, now we just, we really want to get from this block to this block and just survive. Who are we killing and why? Yeah. And I just, I love that macro to micro Mm -hmm. honesty about war. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What our heroes, Ken, have been better (laughs) off just ignoring Shadowwing uh i thought you i thought the question was what are heroes end sentence what are heroes ken <laughs> I'll, I'll ask you that eventually at some point i'll ask you every um, deep philosophical question yeah. i can think of
5: sorry what was it oh are they were they better off just letting shadowing go yeah yeah i had that thought a few times this was a trap to bring in shadowing right and and it did it wasn't working um yeah, I had a because then it was like, how personal is this? Because this is Alphabet Squadron versus Shadow Wing. In this corner, we've got, and I was like, because when 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 Wild Ark's like, I think they just want to leave too. I'm like, yeah, let, let them go. I know, yeah, destroy them. You, you know, we don't want to fight them another day. I get that, but look, look how crazy this is. This even a war anymore? Like, what's happening? What's happening? Um, I had that thought a few times. Let them go. Let them go.
4: Yeah, I think that was kind of the tragedy of it, of of playing with the intentions of, like, a a, a character that we know is moral and centered and reasonable the way Harrison Dula is, of, like, yeah, Shadow Wing, you know, they destroyed Necronus. They were, uh, you know, really a big threat in that they were a high-priority target within the Imperial machinery that was still moving. And, And Hera can't know that they're kind of falling apart, uh... When she's coming up with this plan, with uh, I guess kind of uh, rubber stamping uh, Karen Aiden and, and uh, Quell's plan, but yeah, then you get to that point of like, well, they actually drew them there; like they wouldn't have come and attacked Troyth, yeah, or that whole whole planetary system unless they had drawn them in. Mm-hmm. And then it was really like, okay, well, now it just kind of has become a grudge match with Troyth caught in the middle, and nobody intended that, but that's what happened.
5: No, this isn't like a a direct 100 percent correct direct comparison but like you know a jedi to defend knowledge that's why and and not attack and what was the rebellion now new republic army what was it fighting for now you're bringing you're intentionally again to destroy i get it from a military standpoint you don't want shadowing around i'm i'm all for that i do enjoy the war and uh but yeah and especially hearing you describe it joseph like Qui Gon would have been like, "Yeah, hey, well, you know, you brought them here. <laughs> yep, yep, they didn't uh, want to fight here.
4: Yep, this great Jedi battle between uh, you know when is it best to lay down the mm. the blade and when do you must you uh, pick it up in defense, in defense, and, and yeah, and when is attacking defense? And I love that they came up with this elaborate plan of like too many people die in the ships. We can trick them. We can trick them, right? You know, yeah, and it almost works, and it and then yeah the the horror of their best troops just sitting on a meteoroid. Yeah. Uh, All right. We could talk about that all day, but I think we'll have much more opportunity in the final book. But I want to talk about this theme that's really new to this book. I think is the idea of worshiping cults, Uh, I guess not new, but really emphasized. um, So we get to see that. Great, creepy, religious hallway with names of the dead and the sentinel uh, droid and people cutting their hands and putting their blood on it, uh, creeping people out left and right. Uh, there's a quick passing mention of how a non-technological society sometimes worship va- evaporators, which I thought was great. Uh, <laughs> this, this whole system that's revolving around a black hole instead of a sun is like, hey, you know what? Sometimes the, uh, the metaphors, keeping them simple, are great. And I love that, uh, that there was a cult built up around that the children of the empty sun and lots of ideas about, are they abusing their belief in the force? Are they saying the force is telling me this? So I believe it. They, they spend some time pushing back on the Jedi and their chosen ones and, and say some kind of good things about the force of like, no, it's, it's about how we're all connected. We're all one organism. But at the same time, you know, uh, let's keep our blasters and let, and give me the better food so I can stay connected to the force. You know, Great stuff there. Then the, that Sith monolith, which we will talk about. So a quick uh, passing mention also of in this time period where a lot of uh, the cultures are shattered, that are a bunch of different weird religious groups uh, springing up. So mm-hmm. out of all of these different ideas of, of worship and cults and faith, what was your favorite element uh, of that discussion in this book?
5: A cult leader with like mushrooms on her face? That was pretty yes. to me. Um, everything about it. I This was a di- different... Um, kind of surprising development in this uh, war story that we've been uh, getting here with the Alphabet Squadron. And I really liked it. And you mentioned, I wish... Oh God, I did not write it down specifically, but there is that real backhanded compliment about Luke Skywalker, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Knights in there. <sighs> Superstar chosen ones. I, especially where Luke ends up going and Luke going around the galaxy searching for some of the stuff, the different different interpretations of the, of the Force are interesting to me. And this just being you know, I think just being like a straight up cult um, uh, with, with the, I got the good food because we need it. We need it. We need it up here. Down there, you don't need... Really, and just made you question a lot of... The, not just, not question the force, but question the interpretations of the force. And not that one's right or one's wrong, but like, it took me to places I wasn't expecting um, and and creepy. And the Sentinel stuff, uh, it, it was a highlight for me in the first book mm-hmm. to take a... Cool idea, cool concept. Introduced in Battlefront Two and some of the comics and everything around that era. But to just make it creepy, to and and, and there's that one passage uh, again in this one of the, where Soren sees the sees the sentinels like, man, the shadow of the empire of the emperor is is always over us. Just like really weird stuff in the best way possible. So I liked all of it, and it made me think. And I don't have clear answers on it. Um, and I, I, at halftime was like, not even sure what I was reading.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I love the Sentinel in the first book too. And I loved what the Sentinel really symbolized. of Soren seemed to be one of the, the people who really got it of like, uh, you know, going back to him ordering Quell to stand down and, and to defect, um, right. that he got it of like, this is awful. This ideology is, is awful. The empire is inherently flawed flowing from the emperor and, here here he is keep trying to stay away from the empire uh, and just save the people kind of around him that he has loyalty yeah. to but here's this damn sentinel and it's like any vestige of the empire is never going to be free of that shadow it's it was creepy and funny by the end of the book when like the sentinel is missing an arm and its face is flickering yeah. and, and it, the emperor's face is showing up and saying weird little bits and pieces of things and <laughs> and I, and soren's like i didn't rescue this thing i don't even know how it got here and it's still here as i fly off to rejoin the remnants of the empire and it's this great image for the empire's never going to be free of the emperor
5: i mean i uh, i don't know man not for nothing i think that it's another thing that connects to episode nine in a way at least emotionally for me of what you do what you you know the sentinel droid is broken it survived that the end of first book. It's the arm day. Like you said, the, like the arm sparking in my mind, it's, it's playing the recording half in half out. Is it really there? Is it not there? The weird worship around it post this fall, you know, it's, it's almost, yeah. uh, I'm not saying they're Sith, they're the Sith uh, eternal, but just that kind of like, Oh, uh, this is, we're still going to follow this. And then for, for Soren, like you just described so well, man, just to be like, this is what's at the center of it all, and we can't escape it. But how do you get away from it? Like, ah, I love that. That was one of my favorite moments in the book.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would take a, a Sentinel spinoff, just going around bugging people and creeping them out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Children of the Empty Sun, it, it made me look at Faith differently in Star Wars. Um, just by really getting into that that level of realism where you can dig into it and realize the Force is real, in my mind, in in the Star Wars galaxy, you know? It's not something the Jedi are made up. It's not uh, simple tricks and nonsense or mumbo-jumbo. But that means people are going to have lots of different relationships to it that are much more complicated than just embracing the light side or the dark side. Um, You know, we got Lyra or so respecting uh, kyber crystals and things like that. And of course there'd be things like this, uh, the Children of the Empty Sun. What I loved about it is they're not, To me, my reading of what we know of them so far is it's not black and white. And it is a a thing that I personally believe happens in real life where people are representing very good, very kind ideas about benefiting everyone. Mm -hmm. But that those ideas are also sometimes, you know, both communicated in a loving way that certainly helps people like the Children of the Empty Sun does. Mm-hmm. But then there's still something going on there that's about benefiting that leader at the top. And there's right. there's this do as I say, not as I do mm-hmm. uh, mentality. And it it gets you twisted in knots the way it did with, with Chaz because it seems like the Children of the Empty Sun are helping people, right. but they're lying to them, creating up a whole fake show of burning up blasters. So they're not living up to right. what they say. And that leader is getting the... Um, you know, all the good food and the leader is the one interpreter of the force. So she gets to tell you what the force (laughs) said. And, you know, it's, I think it's really a a great uh, Star Wars idea about seeing the force as, as an idea of, of faith and, and playing with all the complexity that can arise from that. Um, So I really, I thought that was great. And it made me, it made me appreciate the Jedi because I think that there is so much thought given to the way The Jedi conduct themselves. We talk so much about uh, the criticisms of the Jedi in the prequel era of them becoming arrogant and uh, and being full of hubris. And, And we also criticize them for not acting. And this is what I love is you start to get into their philosophy of like they are trying not to be the children of the empty sun. Right. That's why they're like, look, we have basic robes and uh we have small you know uh little apartments and the only thing in them are basically you know footstools that we sell and that's what we own and our and our lightsabers and our and our faith and and that's Mm. that's what we got that's who we are we don't want power we only want to respond when uh when we're asked to Mm. or when we encounter something we don't want to be proactive and and you know enforce our will on the galaxy too much. And like, they're trying to walk this incredibly difficult path. And it's great to see the Jedi contrasted with somebody who is uh, not necessarily being as is pure in their attempt to embrace the force
5: yeah we always talk about justice for the jedi because there's so many compelling things george put out there in the prequels of how they went wrong but you know ahsoka comes to mind of someone saying no 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 at the core we're right or that you're right it's what you did after type of conversation i don't know how intentional alexander freed was in this but this was this is kind of a mirror up to that issue of just like you know, all things considered, those Jedi looking over there. Yeah, they did OK. <laughs> yeah,
4: I think that's the thing is like, yeah, I, I they made mistakes and some real, real, real bad ones. But yeah. they're trying so hard to walk this difficult path. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, OK, we're going to move on to uh, just a couple other things and then we'll take a quick break. Uh, we've talked about a lot of our favorite stuff, but is there any other kind of big things that you wanted to be sure to highlight?
5: Uh, we're going to get into some of them there. I really, I de- I wanted to really highlight that moment with uh, the Sentinel droid. I thought it um, really just gave me some chills. I, l- I definitely love uh, the conversations uh, about Vader or the Emperor, you know, kind of in these uh, uh, game of telephone kind of conversations about him, those little things. And uh, yeah, d- uh, I, despite a lot of heavy detail that would sometimes pop up in the battles, uh, I, I did enjoy reading them. And again, I keep saying this, I don't have his first uh, canon book, the the Twilight Company one, I did try to order it. Couldn't find a copy I wanted. Uh, I have to get tracked that down because I know I know there's some references and some characters from that book, The Hot Battle. Oh. And I, I'm like, okay, I think I want to follow that. I want to go more down that path with him too. So yeah, uh, I like yeah. that. One.
4: Good point. Let me know when you get that. I have that and I haven't made time to read it. You know, we will uh, we will trap ourselves into having to read it by declaring that we're going to do a review. And then and then, and then and you, you know, know. we'll both have to make time.
5: Yeah, I'll have to because uh, I, I think I only found a paperback copy and I'm in that weird like only hardback copies on my shelf, please, sir. So I, <laughs> I'll have to find it. Got it. A uh, couple of big things
4: that uh, I really love that I want to be sure to mention. It's just uh, the character of ITO. Um, I love it this just reminds me very much of the work done in Mandalorian with like, hey, it's an Ugnot, but we're going to really give that Ugnot a character. And, and mm-hmm. you love the character for the character, but also the fun of it's an Ugnot. This yeah. this character that was kind of a, a small side thing. So to take the torture droid and to turn it into a reformed therapist that still has violent tendencies yeah. and is wrestling with his own feelings and past. I think one of my favorite bits in the book is early on when uh, Ito is really trying to give some good therapy and reflection to Quell, and then Quell ends up saying something about putting Caros uh, in danger. And Ito is like, "I maybe can't talk to you about that because I'm feeling some things." And there's the description where <laughs> the the syringe whirls, and yeah. it's unclear whether Ito made that choice or it's like a <laughs> fist shaking. <laughs> in anger over, over their own feelings, uh, yeah. just, uh, great stuff in, in everything in the, uh, the enemy mind section as you're calling it was, uh, yeah. was great. Um, mm. the other thing that I wanted to be sure to highlight is the, uh, I love the empty sun cult leader, uh, litage mm. with the weird mushroom growths because yeah. it's, it is, I think kind of creepy and gross. I think, you know, a lot of us, maybe some of us out there, you know, I, <laughs> everybody's different. I personally don't want a uh, fungus growing from my face. Um, <laughs> There's that question of, you know, how much is the the cult just a way to empower and enrich herself and how much is she sincere in in wanting to bring people together? And the mushrooms complicate that in this great way for Star Wars, because, you know, we talk a lot about that relationship in Star Wars between the organic and the mechanical. Mm -hmm. And what a great way to make you feel a little off about the organic in Star Wars to have it literally growing from your face.
5: Yes, yes. Um, I like mushrooms. I've been cooking them a lot lately. I was delicious. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I was, I got, I got during the, all the cold stuff. Um, I just had that sense of dread and panic and anxiety of just get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. And that, that, that's a testament to the, to the writing.
4: Yeah, no, me, me too, me too. I was like, get out of here, but also spend some more time because this is fascinating. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, but first, uh, were there any things that you questioned or wrestled with in the book? Anything you you didn't like or weren't
5: sure about? Mm, yeah, um, I think we're going to talk about it. there in terms of just plot. There was because uh, I know why they did it, you know, with hair and everything. But I had, I had a, I had a couple of like would this have, I don't know. I'll explain it. I'll explain it. I'll explain it later. Uh, but other than that, no, uh, uh, any, any, uh, general criticisms of just like, sometimes I would get lost in the writing is just, you know, that's what Freed does. He's so good at these little details. You described, you know, Will Lark complaining often about in that one, you know, I don't, I, I don't have my actual flight suit. Damn it. Uh, that <laughs> coming up a lot to the the, the the harnesses to the air conditioning and the, a lot of those details I love. Uh, and just sometimes, you know, uh, on a, quick sunday afternoon trying to read a chapter i can get a little like i yeah, 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 just get to the end of the fight that's me that's not the book and that that came up a few times though
4: yeah i think for me it, my criticism is a just a subjective thing it's a taste so it's not really a criticism uh and i think it's because it's just trying to absorb all of this rich content the jumping back and forth between the stories would sometimes get kind of frustrating for me because I appreciate what's happening of the uh, almost giving it that serial feel of a cliffhanger, but I'd be like, "Oh man, I can't, I can't wait to find out what's going to happen next." To while okay, now we're jumping back to Chas, and oh, now I'm so engaged in what's happening with Chas. Yeah, and now we're back to Soren Keys, and oh, here comes that scent, uh, and then we're moving on. And like at the end, when we got some bigger chunks, when like one chapter was just all that enemy mind section. Yeah, I, I just I love that so much. But even at the end, I noted at one point because that that Sith monolith stuff happened and I was like, this is totally my thing. I want to stay right here. Yep. Yep. And There was 40 pages. Mm-hmm. In between the next time we saw Quell again, and that is just uh it's not a criticism of the writing. It, he, he he handles all of the different storylines really well, but that's sometimes hard for me to stay focused when I get really engaged and then pulled away from a story that I was engaged on, uh, particularly when I'm trying to absorb so much content.
5: No, I agree with you. I liken it a little bit to reading A Song of Ice and Fire where you just naturally can't help but start picking your favorite storylines when you get pulled away from them. And it happens a lot. That's what you hear a lot of like, ah, the brand stuff's kind of boring. I don't think it's boring. It's just, you were so pulled into Tyrion's story. And when the chapter ends and it goes to brands, you're like, I want to go back to, I want to go back to Tyrion. And you don't get to. <laughs> and so that, that, the, 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 the monolith moment, I'm right there with you. Cause I was like turning the page waiting. And it was like, Oh no, uh, that, Oh, that's right. That's right. We got to, okay. All right. All right. We got to go to some other stuff. <laughs>
4: Yeah. And really interesting stuff happened. Like, you know, sometimes it does. It feels like transferring from your pizza to your vegetables and then you're halfway through your vegetables going, damn, vegetables are good. I want to eat nothing but these vegetables. Oh, my vegetables are gone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's our big criticism. (laughs) Sometimes it's tasty vegetables. Uh, I think uh, his criticisms go not too harsh. We are going to take a quick break and then we're going to be back to talk about some of these kind of more big canon uh, moments and how they might ripple out and affect different things in Star Wars. Like, you know, video games. We will be back in just a moment. Two of our wings in the Force Center Squadron are reporting in to finish our discussion of Alphabet Squadron Shadowfall. We're going to talk about some of the kind of big canon moments that kind of connect to other uh, ideas in Star Wars and what we thought of them. This is the one that we have been just very excited to talk about because I think reading it, we probably both knew that one another would be excited about it. And it is Erica Quell's A Weird Meditation Torture by the Strange Sith Monolith. <laughs> so uh th- these are the implications that i got from it is that that it definitely was some sort of uh sith temple sith monolith mm-hmm. uh that wanted something from you in order to open it up uh, fun great creepy things of it it aligned with the uh the black hole there was the implication uh and then and then you know sort of uh, ripped into your soul uh and then wanted something from you in order to open up uh, there is the implication that it was one of many such uh, dark side, uh, maybe storage <laughs> facilities or, you know, actual places of power that uh, Palpatine was maybe having destroyed. And that the uh, the planetoid was on a collision course with the black hole on Palpatine's uh, instructions, which mm-hmm. uh, remind me of uh, Battlefront 2. Did you get that?
5: Oh yeah, this is the observatories, the what's in there, uh, you know, finding the ship and all that kind of stuff. The Lando comic when Lando steals uh, one of Palpatine's ships and and uh, even the the Vader castle stuff, Fortress Vader and and the, and the Charles Soul stuff. So yeah, totally on board. And then, and then and immediately, I got to tell you, Joseph, when it, when this first kind of emerged and and the first description of it on page, I just got chills and excitement and like, oh yeah, because again grown I, up I, I, you guys have heard me before i love the war sometimes a little more than the lore and this time i was like lore 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 lore." <laughs> wanted her to run towards this monolith and it was so interesting loved
4: it yeah yeah it was a great way to deal with uh, a ton of uh quell's character but also again for me mm-hmm. what i loved in this is that you know people are going to come across the this kind of stuff in the galaxy i loved i got fist pumping excited uh at that passage where it said the the word sith was a word that quell had encountered in rebel propaganda videos just like oh what a great insight into Mm -hmm. like (laughs) the the rebellion going by the way uh you remember that ancient creepy cult that you sometimes hear scary bedtime stories about that's palpatine (laughs) Yes, I love that reference. And that would just be, uh, that's just propaganda. Oh, now that propaganda is uh, here in the form of a monolith and it is ripping into my soul. <laughs> so what was your take ultimately on what was going on with that, that monolith, that temple, and Quell? What what did you interpret was actually happening there?
5: So I I, I think I kept expecting that the, what it has to give you, or what you have to give it, excuse me, um, I don't know, had to be something to do with more of a, you know, go to fall to the dark side, fall to the dark side. And I didn't really get that. Uh, I, I don't know if that that, that was part of it. Um, but I don't know that there was just like you kind of have to face the truth, really be honest. I don't know. Just it, it, it did serve as kind of a therapy. Um, and, you know, I'm even looking at your notes here and you say, you know, moving on with anger is a healthy thing is that concept there because that ties into attack of the clones for me padme we, we you and i discussed recent episodes of Four center padme dylan anakin like to be angry is natural it's what you do with it so i don't know it all started to open up that kind of stuff with with eric with erica quill because she's angry for a lot of things scared about a lot of things that happened uh, in her past traumatic uh, there's these realizations and what does she do with it she goes back Right. And so that's part of this weird lesson for me there. But it was all wonderful. It was a it was a trip, man. It was a trip. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I think I I had uh, this kind of visceral reaction to it, because particularly at the end of the book, you know, as we got toward the end of the book, I'm really rooting for Quell to get off that planetoid. And is it feeling more and more like it's not going to? And I felt like, oh, this is a dark side edifice it's not going to open for her because like Mm -hmm. that's, it it really reminded me of the Luke scene uh, where he gets the compass in battlefront two. And he's got that great conversation about like, Oh, this can only be opened by a force user and the dime drops, you know, uh, that Palpatine (laughs) was uh, a force user for the other character there. (laughs)
5: Oh yeah. D'Amico. D'Amico. Yeah. yeah. Everything you've been uh, taught was wrong. Yeah.
4: (laughs) Yeah. 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 So I just felt, uh, I felt bad for like, you're not going to be able to get in there. Uh, kind of visceral reaction and then for what the actual thing was doing, whether it was intended for, you know, Darth Vader has all of this pulsating anger. He has Mm -hmm. uh, taken all of the things that have angered him and he keeps them fresh. He keeps the wounds open to power Mm -hmm. himself. Right. So for him, this would have been just like, yeah, no, that door slides. Look into my soul for a minute, you know, and it not even a minute for a second you know mm-hmm. and it, this will fly open but for somebody who isn't trained mm. that Erica doesn't exactly know how to react to it and then what I really loved cuz that's what I felt like it was basically like I felt like it was like show me your anger show me your pain and mm. I will open for you mm. um, and to me it was it was a dark side it was coming from a dark side place but then at oh. the same time we had ITO as, as the droid was failing going back and forth between therapy and torture (laughs) Mm -hmm. and was trying to get her to really, really in this healthy way, let's get down to the real reason that you can't cope with, uh, with what you did and really just try to identify that um, to yourself, which I think she did get closer and closer to doing. Mm-hmm. and then she even got to that point where she went back for a little while right and she yeah. uh connected with uh Karen Adden as he was dying and he told her i think this like very very healthy thing of yeah. here's how to deal with the absolute horror and trauma of things that you absolutely can't deal with you acknowledge that they're there and you mm-hmm. pick up and you move on yeah and this is what was really elegant is I think the way I interpreted it is he said something healthy. ITO before he fell apart and just started torturing her again, (laughs) was trying to say something healthy of identify the problem, accept it, and it'll live with it. You have to carry it forward. But I feel like what the dark side wants you to do is like recognize everything that upsets you, recognize all of your anger and your hate and act on it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like she thought maybe in the moment that she was taking this great advice to walk forward. But what I read was the temple was like, Oh yeah, yeah. You can't stand that. You're a coward who did all these things. You can't even admit it to yourself that you're so weak that you did all these awful things and now walk towards me with it and act mm-hmm. on it and mm-hmm. I'll let you in. Uh, so that, that's what I really got from it. Mm-hmm. of Like that. And, and that, that, uh, scene from attack the clones is like yeah Padme's the same thing she's trying to direct him to the healthy part of it like yeah you saw your mother die after you kept away from her for years of of course you're angry yeah. but what you do with that is what makes the difference it, the first part is just to admit that yeah of course you're angry and and that's okay uh, and and they were trying to get her everybody was trying to get Quell to that same healthy place and i don't think it was that I don't think Sith temples open up for therapeutic, healthy
5: <laughs> uh, mental health breakthroughs, you know? Yes, totally agree. You're a coward. Yep, you're right. And look what she does.
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and as soon as she got into the temple, I, I should have just known, like, of course, this is not going to go well. She's not going to show up like, hey, guys, got to ride on a cool Sith ship and everything's okay now.
5: How did you get here? I just faced down my internal anger. Uh, uh, yeah. The temple. Yeah.
4: I just I- admitted that everything is horrible and decided to walk forward with that as my truth. That's all. That's all. Yeah. Uh, we were told uh, the theory was that the temple scans for uh, species or specific people or biochemistry. What did you make? What did that make you think the actual intention that it's not just a you know a storage hangar for this ship? What mm-hmm. did you feel like it was for at any point in in its actual use by Sith?
5: Oh man, that's a great question. I hadn't really dug into that. I mean, just from a Palp- Palpatine standpoint, he has a certain uh, view of who he wants around him. So maybe, <laughs> but it's, it goes deeper than Palpatine. It's the Sith. So I don't know. It's a first glimpse of, of to what built the, the Sith, if if it's truly keeping people out on that kind of level or bringing them in on a certain level. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think for me, I still want that kind of answer. And I don't think we'll get it from this. I don't think you, you need to just, uh, you know, we'll we'll get the Star Wars um, Sith monolith, uh, a Star Wars story movie one day. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I did not really dive into that. What did you think? Yeah, I just took
4: it. it my mind went lots of different places of like, is this mm-hmm. was this a way to find? a sith way to find uh force sensitive kids or yeah. or more importantly uh maybe force sensitive kids who had a lot of anger who had been maybe missed is this the way that like uh some sith mm-hmm. might have found their uh apprentices um and also just when really? you know you're dealing with somebody as, as evil as the the sith the technology to scan mm-hmm. for you know a specific species <laughs> like, yeah you yeah, can't right. imagine that's for a good reason right you know exactly uh, yeah so I just uh, I was really intrigued by it from lots of different um it's mm-hmm. such a great creepy lore based way to kind of deal with uh the idea of um, all the different uh horrible things that can come from uh, being monitored you know it's yeah. from sort of like strange <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Sith temple police state <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> technology oh I wasn't sure <laughs> uh, any other thoughts
5: on the temple before we move on no man, other than i, I kind of want to see it like i'd love to see an artist concept of it i don't know it just um it's cool i guess i guess i'm in excited by sith lore more than jedi lore. i gotta check myself i gotta look deeper into my soul there
4: oh uh, no man it's great it's, it's yeah because it, you can see it. like it's a such a great symbol of temptation too of like here's your salvation if you can just behave the way we want to you can yeah. you can make it out um so let's talk. We've talked about talking about this. Let's talk about it. It, mm-hmm. it appeared to me, it felt to me as I read this, that Hera left this book to be in a video game. <laughs> uh, she goes off to help Vanguard Squadron uh, on their assignment to get more ships. Uh, when Vanguard Squadron shows up again at the end, there's even a, a reference to a uh, one of the pilots speaking in a reptilian way, which I took to be a reference to the uh, Trandoshan that we've seen in the trailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you feel reading the book? Did it make you feel guilty or weird that like uh we're watching these friends from this book be slaughtered and go through hell partially because we get to play a video game
5: that is without you and i did not compare that note before or during the reading process i that's the feeling i had i was like you're telling me that this is The new new Republic Army, though for all intents and purposes, still right now, the Rebel Alliance that we all cheered for growing up, and they are getting just destroyed. And this city's in peril. And all these horrible things are going on. And people know about it. Hera knows about that. And you can't send Wedge (laughs) over. I know Wedge in the aftermath series, but now having some problems. You can't send anyone, Arvel Krynid's cousin. No one can come over. And how I feel actually was getting upset. Now, again, I know whether or not the game was how far back the game was being planned. We, we know that obviously it's going to go a lot farther than the announcement and how much they worked with Freed on this novel. They worked with, because you know, had yeah, Jody Hauser's t- uh, comic series tied in with the first book. So there was a lot, a lot of planning. So I know there was no, this isn't like, Alexander Freed was like, you know, it'd be great if they're all if, if Hera left them, <laughs> you know, they're like this had to happen. And I'm and as the, I'm intrigued probably more than I was about squadrons to know like, oh, God, while I'm playing this, this is going on over there. Because, again, it's almost like the map love I talk about of like, oh, we're we're on, we're on this path and that castle's right there. Like I get pulled in by that stuff a lot. So I'm going to be playing squadrons going, can I leave can I go help them? Is there an option on the game to go help Alphabet Squadron? So I did have a real, real on the surface, no doubt about it, reaction to it, I was a little upset at Hera, knowing again that this had to happen. Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah. It was. It's just one of the weird points of the this great uh, interconnected fiction, where yeah, I I just kept thinking like uh, the way I interpreted it as you know. Hera went off to do this vital mission, thinking everything was uh, in in good hands. You know, not not her fault that there are all these cracks in the Alphabet Squad and they fell apart. Um, yeah. And that my interpretation was Chaz managed to get her B wing back and sent that message, and then Hera's like, "Oh crap, here I come!" Yeah. Uh, and right. showed yeah. up, but then that makes me feel like playing the video game. If I'm in some you know fun, exciting briefing mission with Hera, where like where's where's the button I can mash to let her know her friends are dying? <laughs> well i'm doing this mm-hmm all yeah I'm, okay I'm, I'm playing a training level <laughs> <laughs> move the throttles up.
5: they're dying on troy <laughs> Press jacks is going yes. through hell <laughs> yeah. She's in space. yeah no and again i'm not because i love her as a character love she's a general love that she's in both these stories yeah I, but this is a this is an in uh, in story tongue-in-cheek kind of criticism Uh, Because you're right, she does get the word and she comes back. But I get the sense she came back because the mission with Vanguard was done. (laughs) I don't know.
4: Yeah, I guess that'll be my motivation is wrap this up as quickly as I can so Hera can get back to that system.
5: Now, here's the thing. Maybe there's a big surprise, Joseph. Maybe when we're playing squadrons, uh, there is a mission. Uh, uh, help calls. We got, we got to go over here. Like maybe there is, I don't want to assume there isn't, but maybe it's more tied in than they can admit to. I don't know, but it, it was, but it was fun to think. It was fun to have those thoughts. Yeah. I mean, it,
4: that did occur to me that in the story mode, the last mission might be uh Vanguard squadron swooping in to help out on Troith by that big dome. Yeah. yeah. And that would be, that would be pretty impressive if they did that amount of uh, coordination. Yeah. Uh, another big canon thing that we must touch on is the appearance of Ray Sloan uh, shadowing. Yeah. The 204th had been uh, separated and uh, Soren Keys was kind of trying to keep it that way. But uh, reality broke him down and mm. he is going off to join the Imperial remnant that has been all fortified under ray Sloan's command we read about that in the aftermath book series you're a big ray slow fan i love ray Sloane. i know a bunch of our listeners are big ray Sloane fans are you excited for a ton of ray Sloane in the final book in this trilogy
5: i'm cautiously optimistic that we'll get that i know she has a lot to do in the aftermath series right around the same time yeah and then also in squadrons but just excited it is one of those it's not just a fun connection it is a fun connection but it's one of those like yeah no this would this would have to happen. I would be worried if the this story kept going and there was only these like passing references to Sloan and some guy named Gallius Rax. I don't know what's going on. Like I I kind of think this has to all come to a point. And, and and Ray Sloan's a huge part of that. She's grand race Ray Sloan right now. So it was fun. And then to fun to see what you're describing. You have Soren just kind of like, uh, what? hey, how you doing? Uh we're all fine here now. How are you? Uh just kind of. Wanted to be his thing, and and but also because I see somewhat small connections with some of the where Ray Sloan might be uh, emotionally at this point. You know, this isn't her empire, but maybe it never was. But maybe I can make it my empire. Maybe you know, maybe we, we can do a safe and secure, secure society in the right way. You know, surface level stuff with Ray. Um, so yeah, I know that her and Soren are like on the same same page, but you know, he he's interesting in that way. He's not full empire in, in a way
4: uh, yeah no i i totally agree i think that's what's really interesting i, I like the character um but the character of ray Sloan to me it does feel like the can i can i make something that works out of this and here mm-hmm. is soren gonna come in with all this baggage of like hey i kind of tried to walk mm-hmm. away from the empire and just be loyal to the people involved and i hey, got this creepy sentinel constantly reminding me that yeah. this is always going to be uh, Palpatine's empire, and like, are they going to be able to be honest enough, Ray and Soren, to mm-hmm. connect with one another? And then on top of that, knowing that Ray's gonna, Sloan's gonna end up heading off to have some sort of, we assume, adventures in the beginnings of the First Order, which mm-hmm. she might be trying to really go, like, all right, now I'm gonna take this. Now it's mine. Now I'm gonna reshape it. And then kind of the tragedy of knowing. No, it's it's always Palpatine's thing. It's literally Palpatine's thing, as we learn in in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And seeing how much uh, sense the, these books have already been a dealing with those war versus lore mm. moments, I'm I'm really curious to see if Ray Sloan gets to wrestle with. <laughs> I want this to be about the real people, not the creepy uh, cult Sith BS. But I guess no. I don't have a choice. It's it's you know, it's all tied up.
5: Yeah, I I would love to. I think it could that could really sync up nicely. Um, I think there's a lot of things she already already knows. She already realizes. I don't, I'm not saying I need Soren to sweep in and give her the piece of enlightenment she couldn't figure out herself. But if he's that, this idea of of what he's feeling of man, have you run into those Sentinel droids, uh, Palpatine? The shadow is over because in at the end of Aftermath, spoilers for those who haven't, haven't read Aftermath. I've always kind of interpreted and taken it as. You know, Gallius Rex is like, yes, yes, you can do this. I, I, Kill me, but go on and serve the emperor. And she's like, I ain't serving the emperor. I've maintained my individuality the entire time because I've had to. All the obstacles have overcome. So how do those things sync up where then she goes into the unknown regions and is like, oh boy, this shadow is here. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, and fights against that. It could be some really intriguing Ray Sloan uh, lore in the next book. I don't want to get my expect- expectations too high. I can't imagine she'd be... Superman character in this but I, I definitely definitely want more
4: yeah yeah but it seems unavoidable that those themes and stakes will be there if race I, loan is there uh avoidable yeah <laughs> uh one of the other uh canon things that caught my eye is we learned a little bit about this whole system that has the um uh, cerberon i believe that has the uh, black hole as the sun and we spent most of the time on Troyth, but a couple of other planets And we learned that the backstory is Troyth is a planet in the core system that has kind of built itself up uh, to be a city as uh, well, a city planet. And it used to rival Coruscant and then just became kind of sad, not as important Coruscant. (laughs) And I wondered if some of that is High Republic world building, Mm -hmm. since they are mostly familiar with uh, the core.
5: Yeah, uh (laughs) yeah. Yes, I actually think you're you're kind of right. There could be fun. I don't want to again. Don't want to assume there's a connection there and have it not be. Um, that makes sense. I just uh, you know, how'd you phrase it? Not quite Corson. I think that should be on their uh, travel postcard. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great. No, I actually think that's a realistic possibility. Uh, would actually kind of enjoy that. And I enjoy learning that kind of stuff. I, I even kind of, you know, the move to Shandrilla is interesting to me in the New Republic stuff. So even Coruscant's been kind of moved past because reasons um, in the aftermath series and this. So, yeah, that'd be interesting because it's an interesting the description of the planet and the fact that it was considered that and it was a trial run for Coruscant. All those kind of Possibly, things. Possibly. We I don't know. know. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, I'm with you on that.
4: Yeah, because I, I think, you know, we definitely know some core worlds, but since that's the foundation in the High Republic of what, you know, I know we're going to be out in the frontier, Uh, but that's the world, the galaxy that they know. I I like populating it a little bit more because, you know, it's got to be more than, you know, just Coruscant and, you know, Alderaan mm-hmm. and all that Uh, for more mm-hmm. planets. Um, it, This isn't a big can thing, just if I thought this mention was great, that uh, that there were rumors that the New Republic was making Hoth a prison for Imperial Loyalists. <laughs>
5: was great that was great and i kind of want that to happen now
4: yeah and then yeah as soon as i read that was great and i was like oh it's just a rumor i don't think they'd really do (laughs) that
5: just another star wars rumor from some unnamed (laughs) source.
4: exactly their world is so much like ours uh any other fun minor details that you particularly enjoyed that we haven't discussed yet
5: Oh man. No, I think, I think we got to a lot of them as, as what I remember. Um, you know, cause it isn't, it isn't built like say Queens peril where you're really, truly now you're inside Phantom Menace and you're getting these connections and revelations and it's its own story. It's its own world. Uh, it, it ties into it. And I sometimes, I I love it. I don't think, I don't want the book to be, or the series to be different, but sometimes I, I, I miss much like we did in Aftermath. I, I again, I, uh, not Wendig's decision either, but just, I sometimes miss some of the, main characters popping around it, it wouldn't necessarily work i don't need han flying in here i don't i don't need it for the story um and i like actually really love because i've always been obsessed with the idea of hey those are the superstars and here's the people who aren't superstars and they're gonna have some thoughts and whispers and rumors about leia han mothma nadine all those characters uh meeting um you know so i i like i like it but uh you know sometimes sometimes i miss a little more direct connection
4: yeah yeah me too um in terms of direct connection, one of the fun details I mentioned, that was just a quick uh, uh, quick pass. So they were going over a plan, and, and Hera was saying, yep, yep, that's as good as we're going to do, uh, unless we had a Jedi. And they, it's described as her mournfully wishing for a Jedi, I believe. Or maybe that's yeah. the way I wrote the note down. But just like, mm-hmm. oh, I love that perspective that we, the audience, know. Like, it's mm-hmm. not just for tactical reasons she's wishing yeah. a Jedi was there.
5: Like, oh, Ed and- great. Yeah. Sorry. This starts to sound like nitpicking. It's not, I don't intend it like that. I didn't, even, I didn't intend my last comment to be nitpicking either. Um, but you know, we've talked about the Jason Sindula problem. Yes. And so that pops up in my head a lot of like, cool. sounds like the New Republic's got some great daycare. They're very pro mother and pro parent. Um, uh, I can get it. But a couple of times I'm like, what, who is with Jason?
4: <laughs> yes please please who it, yeah maybe uh, uh maybe Zeb is babysitting
5: i think uh, yeah i don't know um, it's fun but sometimes you know floney what did you do did you just do this to be fun i don't know yeah
4: yep i yep. uh, think i uh, you think young jason is with uh uncle uh uncle zeb and uncle hot calis maybe
5: uh, yeah i, I, I agree then yeah <laughs> uh
4: the other detail that i specifically wanted to uh oh i lied there's two i'm gonna hold myself mm-hmm. to two cool. but they're fast uh i really like chas you know wanting to take a fake name at the cult base and taking uh maya Halleck uh mm-hmm. with her gin connection to Jin's cover of liana Halleck.
5: love that that was yep.
4: just, I thought, a nice subtle little thing. And the other one I wanted to mention specifically to you because we did a ranked a little while back about favorite Imperial ships and you pointed out this uh, Quasar Fire mm-hmm. naval carrier Yeah, that what Shadow Wing is operating off of. And I was so glad that you had pointed it out because I would have just kind of read it and like, yeah, it's a naval carrier. Mm-hmm. And it was great to be able to picture it and appreciate it more because we had had that ranked conversation about all the different places it pops up.
5: Yeah, funny you mention that, because uh, in my Rebels rewatch this week, I, I hit upon that episode, the one where uh, Hera and her, uh, her father, uh, Cham Sindula, they end up uh, taking one for the Rebellion, you know, to capture it and all this stuff there, which is a great episode of Rebels, by the way. Um, so it all got synchronicity. Yeah. and I thought, Yeah, I just like it. It's an awkward pizza slice of a ship with a garage underneath it. And I like it. <laughs> yeah. And I like that even Soren Keys is like, huh,
4: this is not fancy. This is not yeah. meant to inspire anybody. This is just practical yeah uh all right well let's move on as we begin to wrap up the episode but what our hopes are for the final chapter of this uh alphabet squadron trilogy what are you wanting to see in that final chapter
5: i gosh man i gotta tell you i i i, I love this battle and i've heard some people nah, again with this battle i want this all to end up a battle of jakku i really do <laughs> I really do. I just would love another little second chapter or a little additional chapter of 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 all the things going on at that battle, Battlefront two, the final moments with with iden and and hask and everything uh snap and wedge and lost stars yeah uh, and, and I, I, I I want it, man, I want it. I like that battle. there you go. I like that war- war bring some of this alphabet squadron lore into that war.
4: Yeah, I, mean, I think that would be really interesting. I think it's either going to be Battle of Jakku, or it made me wonder with the, all the references of is Troyth a practice run, is the big finale of Alphabet Squadron, the taking of Coruscant.
5: Yeah, that could work too, yeah.
4: Um, and I know that, you know, we deal a little bit with uh, Mas Amida finally signing, um, but, you know, really, it seems to me if any writer is going to really get down into the details of how did this time period affect everyone on Coruscant, uh, mm-hmm. it, it seems like Alexander freed, and and uh, yeah. I'm really curious to see which way they go with it, or if there's a, another thing that we haven't uh, thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, then on on the emotional side, I, I am really interested in seeing if this uh, through line that we were talking about earlier comes true. Of the Alphabet Squadron members manage to uh, wrestle with their own issues enough that they can communicate with one another about them, and that's that's what makes them bond. There are a lot of threads that mm-hmm. makes that makes sense or there is the possibility that because this is gritty and real that this is a story of uh there's some happy endings there's some sad endings right (laughs) that there's a mix because there has been a ton uh in both books of characters wrestling with what happens after the war while wants to go home Uh, chas had a nightmare about what happens after the war Quell kind of can't keep deciding what to do. And every, every time she kind of just comes to like, well, I'm not ready to die. So I'm going to do something else. Uh, There's so much about what happens after the war that I'm curious to see how far past like the big climactic battle ending, whatever it might be, we go into these characters lives. How much, how much do you want to see that answer for all of them of how do they survive after the war?
5: I do. I do kind of want to see those endings uh, or what it could mean and, and who, and if anyone else dies uh, i mean uh that's not that they're going to pull a rogue one ending here but uh it's possible um and then also you know freed wrote that novelization rogue one so well you could you could learn a lot from these deaths so yeah i do i i particularly uh lark heading home home with a capital h uh and does he belong there does he feel like he belongs there anymore is is he is he out of the shire for good
4: yeah yeah and, uh, does he have a meet cute with blink and they, they go home together. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm thinking not, I'm thinking not, mm. uh, do you feel like in a true cliffhanger fashion, do you feel excited, wary, uh, any number of emotions about quell, about whether or not she will, you know, make what is from our perspective, the right choice and, and rejoin the, the new Republic.
5: I, yeah, I, I, it, I, I don't hear. I, I don't think she'll stick with the Empire. I, I don't know if she'll go straight to the New Republic or, or even be a part of it officially. She might find some new path. But, um, and how that connects with Soren? What's once her and Soren kind of get back together on the, on the same team, so to speak, like, what kind of thoughts are they going to have about what's going on? What does that change her? And then a lot of her, the pain she's experiencing comes from, you know. I don't know. There's there's something to be said for how the, how she was treated in the New Republic. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's not right, not fair in a lot of ways. And it, it was just straight out just weird gossip. But I love that her and Hera don't have this great relationship. Yeah. It's to me too. So I'm, I'm, I'm probably most curious about that choice. I don't necessarily think it's going to be cut and dry of come on back. Um, and everything's fine or we work through it but it, but if that's done if that's the way it's done it, it, it'll probably be satisfied as well but I don't know what that new path could be but I definitely know she's not done but uh, don't think she's gonna stay with one uh, one uh, one side there the empire yeah yeah um,
4: I think uh, the last thing I have to say about the the third book what I'm really really hoping because the the crumbs were laid of when quell uh shoved the memory chip of her fallen astromech who is so kind to her uh, dl6 i believe into <laughs> ito right before ito fell i, mm. I mean I, i've said many complimentary things about this uh, this book series uh, uh, ito might be my favorite character <laughs> <laughs> so i want some strange amalgamation of dl6 and ito to live and uh, my, my guess is that information about what went down on the planetoid will come to some of the Alphabet Squadron characters uh, Mm. by that droid surviving in some form or fashion. I like that. And then that will lead either that or that droid finds Quell. And that droid is the one who, who helps Quell uh, come to peace with herself.
5: Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So maybe, maybe the final book in Alphabet Squadron will be called Star Wars colon Alphabet Squadron colon droid therapy. (laughs)
5: <laughs> throw in a therapy Ewok. Uh, we got a team.
4: <laughs> All right. Uh, any, any final thoughts uh, before we wrap up here?
5: No, other than I got to say, I really enjoyed this book, but I had a, a, even more fun discussing it, which tells me that there's a lot in this book. And, and I think you out there listening probably maybe had some of the same things of yeah, You had to maybe work to get through some sections. It wasn't as fast and zippy as other star Wars adventures, but There's some big themes and some big questions about the Star Wars we know. The Light, the Dark, the Jedi, the Sith, the Rebels, the New Republic, the Empire. And I I really love, uh, at the end of the day, when I close this book, I was like, that was a good read. Yeah,
4: absolutely. I totally agree with you. I'm going to wrap us up, Ken, with a fun question. If you had to call one of these people from the book for an intergalactic rideshare, who would you trust? Who would you call? For your space
5: lift. This is great because they're all different versions of rideshare drivers we've experienced. <laughs> and God bless the folks to do the rideshare things and the Instacart things so we can all uh, get around and, and have a little convenience in our life. Thank you for your work. Um, uh, Jazz is the one I don't want to call because <laughs> she's going to blare the music and ignore me and probably not care about it. Um, Quill's going to take some long route and not listen to, uh, when I want to go, I don't know. Sorry. Um, Nath's going to be grumpy, you know? Uh, and I, I like to be chatty in the car at first and then I like to shut up. If, if, they, <laughs> if, 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 if I get in the car and I'm, I'm and I'm, I'm, I'm always affable in a ride share car. And, um, you know, you've been around Chicago, you and I had either cabs or ride shares. You could, I, you know, someone would be like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll chit chat with anyone about anything they got. Um, but also, I enjoy silence in cars. So, Kairos, at the end of the day is my choice.
4: <laughs> you can get that chit chat out of the way. No, you were uh, you were a real trooper. You did some you did some chitting and some chatting, and we had some we had some strange drivers. And, oh yeah, and you did a great job. Uh, <laughs>
5: i <laughs> just remembering some of the highlights of Star Wars Celebration, the rideshare stories. Yeah, you uh, you jumped on
4: the proverbial uh, thermal detonator for both of us on a lot, a lot of those, so thank you. So I guess I guess my main thing is, I, you know, whoever I call, I, I'd want you in the rideshare too, uh, which is uncomfortable because I'm going to go with Wile in the A-Wing. W- Wyle's an amazing flyer, and I, I absolutely trust him. He will show up on time, and I could just tell Wile like, Mm-hmm. it's fun to chat for a while but uh i think i'm gonna space out now and he'd be like okay sounds good <laughs>
5: <laughs> That sounds good you ever been to my planet home
4: <laughs> i want to visit are you one of the 120 you're the <laughs> 120 lift drivers that everybody talks about amazing yeah. Well, as you can see, uh, listeners, this is a book that has a bunch of deep themes and a bunch of just fun Star Wars details that will give you plenty to think about for a long time. So if you haven't and you listen to this whole uh, interview or review, uh, apologies for all the spoilers. But uh, we hope that you enjoyed the review and the book and are looking forward to the final chapter. As always, we have some stuff to plug. Uh, Ken, where can people find you?
5: Hey, you can go to KenNapsLock.com and check out the, all my stuff there. But go to that Charity Spotlight tab. We've been highlighting, highlighting charities here uh, this week. You can go there and find uh, a lot of chari- charities uh, either I'm a part of or been recommended by listeners and friends.
4: Excellent. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. Find my other comedy adventures on my website at dot. And I also suggest checking out that uh, charity tab on uh, on Ken's page. It's a great place to gather all sorts of different ideas, a way to help pe- ways to help people. And of course, you can find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod, and on Facebook uh, is Four Center Podcast. That's the name of our page. You can find the podcast on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, all sorts of places. We have merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center. And of course, if you want to support us and get access. Access to our Discord, where a bunch of great uh, Star Wars fans are having good, uh, healthy, fun Star Wars discussions. You can check that out at patreon.com slash Force Center and see if it is for you. For now, that is it for Ken, for myself, and for all the poor, shattered members of Alphabet Squadron who will come together again, I believe. This has been Force Center.